and welcome to Art Fictions. If you love stories and are curious about art and ideas, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Gillian Knipe, and on this podcast, I explore stories of art and the art of stories. I ask each guest artist to select a piece of fiction, which we discuss in detail. This tends to give me a good sense of the ideas which filter their way into the artist's studio practice. It's a way of indirectly talking about art, of getting to know an artist a little better through their passions and preoccupations. And it opens up the crossovers between stories and images without all that dreary art speak. While we're all off to a wobbly start, I'm really excited about 2021. Later this year, I'll be hosting a culture exchange series. It's the same format as always, but I'll be specifically talking with artists who have geographically moved away from the country of their birth, not unlike myself, of course. We'll learn about the artist's sense of the world, how that's been expanded or contracted, any barriers they've encountered, and hopefully the new possibilities which have arisen in their art practice from their journey away from their formative home. Meanwhile, in Series 3, I'm joined by guest host, author and critic, Elizabeth Fullerton. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Gillian. It's great to be here today. We had many calls and park meetings about art writing and working together, so it's fantastic (laughs) this is finally happening. It is indeed. And you've been crazy busy editing a reissue of your book, I understand, Art Rage, the story of the Brit art revolution. Perhaps you can tell us a bit about that. I'd love to. The book came about because Thames and Hudson commissioned me to write an objective history of the period, since all the previous accounts of Brit art had come from people with a partial perspective, whether that was negative or positive. So it was a real baptism of fire for me, being my first book, and quite a challenge, since everyone has their own really strong preconceptions about the YBAs. And I focused on 30 artists and 20 gallerists, critics, museum directors, and so on. The artists are the core names that everyone knows as well as quite a lot on the periphery to convey a sense of how diverse the work was across all sorts of unconventional media. So they were working on a grand scale and referencing popular culture, but then you also have DIY videos and artists who straddled both Brit art and relational aesthetics. And for me, the YBA's most important legacy was the way they worked collectively to shape the art world for themselves. And that, I think, is still very relevant today. So along the way, I met some amazing people and all the artists had really interesting stories to tell. One might be uh, Douglas Gordon talking about how when he first showed his slowed down version of Hitchcock's Psycho that lasts 24 hours, the whole gallery became a love fest because the cinematic rule breaking that he had begun gave everyone permission to overcome their inhibitions. And then Jane and Louise Wilson told me a crazy anecdote about how their lives literally became art when they were sharing a bedsit in King's Cross and making work about menacing marginal spaces. One day there was a terrifying incident when someone nearly smashed down their front door only to return later and leave a note on a gyro receipt saying that they were sorry they had a psychiatric illness and to contact them on this number. The artists ended up incorporating the note in a photographic work. Anyway, the paperback edition will be launched in the autumn in September or October. So that's what I've been up to in the last month. Wow. Merry Christmas for you then. (laughs) Exactly. So going back to Douglas Gordon for a moment, you say that that changed the cinematic experience or the line between what's cinema and what's art. What do you mean by that? 
Oh, I mean that particular work because he had broken down the sort of cinematic um, flow and the the expectations that people had of seeing that thriller, say, um, in a cinema. And so suddenly they were in this large uh, exhibition area in the dark. They were there for 24 hours. And, you know, so so it became like this big, he said he called it a snog fest. Um, oh, well, I didn't realise. I did view some of it, actually, just coincidentally. But I wasn't there for 24 hours and I certainly wasn't snogging. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you, I understand you are no stranger because I've seen some of them to online interviews either. Yeah, that's right. I know I've done this Brit art book, but... Funnily enough, most of my interviews and features and reviews have been of artists who are making work more around issues of sexuality, gender, race, or often quite political work. So where the YBA is mostly made apolitical work, I've been interested in artists telling personal or environmental narratives in their work often, and also a lot of interest in the actual art making So yes, I guess one of my recent interviews that I really enjoyed was an interview with the American artist Christina Qualls for Studio International. Mm. And it was so fascinating, especially talking about the way she fragments the composition to reflect her multiple sense of self as a queer cis woman who has a black father and a white mother. And also it was interesting to hear about her love of painting boobs, which for her is nothing to do with sexuality, but everything to do with form and mass. So I think that was quite interesting, too, because it's often been misread as sort of highly erotic. And I mean, of course, it is erotic work, but that's not what her main concern was in that case. Yeah, I think Christina is just such an amazing artist. And I went and saw her exhibition at Pilar Corias. Yeah. Yeah. Christina Carlos, her approach to paint is so sort of sumptuous from the the raw canvas right up to that sort of impasto. So there's almost something erotic in her whole approach to how she uses her hand in the painting, let alone the breasts and whatever. They're they're the icing on the cake. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely are. And they quite often look like little cupcakes. It's true, her her work, reproduction just doesn't do it justice. You know, when you're up close with one of her paintings, you just want to stare at each bit and just drink it in. It's a visceral experience, isn't it? I'm always looking at painting as well from the perspective of being an artist myself and a painter. And I never quite understand what's the first step in the work. What's the second step? What's the third step to try and understand how she's put them together? And that's part of the appeal for me, almost like the writhing bodies of the paint and the bodies themselves. Yeah. Anyway, well, art fictions should be a cinch for you then, Elizabeth. That's about it from me for now, or from us really. And I hope you can join me and Elizabeth for the series ahead. And if art fictions is your thing, please do subscribe and rate, both of which make a huge difference to access for other listeners. And of course, do feel free to get in touch with me via my website or Instagram. I really love feedback and have a great year. I, I didn't want to go on and on with your with the Christina Quals because I figured we were probably running out of time, but 
and, and it's so interesting what she's doing because she's using a lot of the internet and she's using you know photoshop and digital images so she's you know doing all sorts of flipping back and forth between digital and you know and paint and there's all sorts of complex layering going on which is really fascinating so that's probably another reason why you're really drawn to trying to work out how she achieved that effect yeah yeah she sort of has that thing where part way through the painting she's altering her mode of transport kind of thing from very analog to very digital and I suppose for me I'm a massive fan of Laura Owen so that they're sort of nice cousins although Christine is much